Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Conor O'Gara. Chris, it is official. It is Benny Snell's world and we're just living in it. He, he did all the things. He did all the things he said he was going to do. He made it happen. Benny Snell, the star of the weekend, of course, taking down Mississippi State. We are going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Texas A&M, Alabama. We're going to talk a little bit of Florida, Tennessee, of course, South Carolina, Vandy, some street fighting talk. Uh, we got Ed Talks later on, our favorite news segments. Uh, and a new segment that we're going to get to later, um, of course, we're going to whip around the entire SEC, what was a wild week for. But before we do all of that, got to talk to you guys real quick about our friends over at Ticket City. Maybe you went to a game this past weekend and you used our friends at Ticket City and you used that promo code. That would have been really, really smart. Maybe you're going to do it next weekend. Yeah, save, save, your, save yourself some money. SDS is excited to once again be partnering with Ticket City for all their ticket needs. Our relationship goes back several years with them as they continue to be a leader in the ticket space, especially for college football fans. Getting tickets for college football games couldn't be easier when using Ticket City and they have the best prices. Use that promo code. You're going to use the promo code CMBF10. That's CMBF10. You're going to get 10% off your tickets now. Whether it's for this upcoming Saturday or for later in the season, get your tickets now on Ticket City. Hot ticket in Lexington this past weekend. Oh man, those Kentucky fans got their money's worth. My Mississippi State Bulldogs get trounced. First and foremost, how are you today, emotionally? You know, I appreciate you asking. That means a lot. I know. I'm uh, I'm hanging in there. No, no. It's it's all good. As I said to everybody who reached out on Twitter, really appreciate you looking out for my, my health, my general well being. Uh, Mississippi State is still in the ten win it's still in the ten win um, pace, so we're we're Train. good. Like yeah. The I had the loss to Kansas State built in already, so like this is just kind of part of the process, you know. I felt like the season should have been over for them by now, based off of your predictions mm-hmm. and where they're at. And then I no. do some math, which is not my strong suit. Obviously, no, um, yeah, they're only three and one. Yeah, three and one, no big deal. They lost at Kentucky. That's a yeah. hornet's nest to go into. I know, as we learned, uh, trying to stop Benny Snell, no matter how much he talks during the week, is just basically an impossible task. Because, my goodness, he was a star. Four touchdowns in this game. Really got going after I thought he had kind of a, a quiet lull in the, in the second quarter, and then in the second half, he really picked it up. Turned yeah. on the Jets. He dominated that battle that we talked about with Kylan Hill. It was the Benny Snell show for the Kentucky offense. The Heisman campaign is in full effect. After okay, so we're gonna get to the Heisman campaign. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's. No, we're let's gonna get pump there. the brakes on that. No, no, let's no, no. Break no, no. down the game. Full steam ahead. Uh, we, we we are gonna get to that, but just a, a couple numbers to to throw out there because future us is gonna know how this goes. But Kentucky is we expect we're recording this before the AP poll comes out. But Kentucky's gonna be in the AP poll for the first time yeah. since 2007. You think that's bad? So no, that's great. No, I mean like bad in terms of oh my gosh, how like B H A D. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Good point. Um, all right, so Kentucky started 2-0 in the SEC for the first time since 1977. Every time they have a streak or they have some new achievement, we'll say, it's it's concerning, but also like, oh, that's cool, good for them. 1977? They haven't started yeah. 2-0? I guess because they start with Florida a lot of times, but I mean, good God. I didn't even know that was possible. You could just do no. that on accident every once yeah. in a while. Yeah. I mean, two wins, two wins, that's it. We're, that's all that's we're talking it. about. It. And I you think lose it was, the rest of them. 
Yeah, you can you can go you can go two and six. Doesn't matter. Just Take get a those nap. first two. Yeah. Um, that's that unbelievable. I think it was also Kentucky's first time beating consecutive ranked opponents because Florida was inexplicably ranked a couple weeks ago. Right. Um, first time beating consecutive ranked opponents also in 40-some-odd years or something like that, which yeah, is... Yeah, since 77. Oh, man, that's What a unreal. hell of a year for Kentucky in 77, huh? Seriously. Man. My goodness. They were cutting down the nets, I'm sure, in Lexington, uh, taking goalposts down, doing whatever they could. Did you see... Running around with horses, <laughs> drinking bourbon. What do y'all do up there? I don't, I don't know, but they, they had themselves a good time. That was a yeah. raucous crowd. I mean, I was impressed. From start to finish, that was a, a true road SEC atmosphere. And we've, we've poked fun at Kentucky fans for, for putting football on the back burner when basketball comes right. around. But last night was like, dang, y'all, y'all are up for this one. I've never seen that many chin-strap beards celebrating at once. Outside of an insane clown posse concert, it was. But it was like it was awesome. I was so happy for him. Also, why is it never just like okay weather at a yeah, Kentucky a game? Point. That's a good point. And it it, is what, what was up with the pyrotechnics? Oh, I don't know. They kept having smoke on the field. It was yeah. so bizarre. It was like, all right, can we can we figure this out? Like, this is you have one job to figure out how to yeah. not make this like a complete cloud of smoke on the field while like, right. Except on a science project, all the dry ice guys. Let's try to play a football game here. Seriously, Benny Snell definitely played uh, a football game, to say the least. Uh, the talk during the league during the week about how he's going to be able to run on anyone. Anyone. Yeah. Oh, I'm still, yeah. I'm still shocked that this happened because of the fact that it's not even Benny Snell. And I've had my doubts about production-wise because he seems like to be – I mean, he's obviously the focal point of that offense. Neighbor Terry Wilson. Didn't I do did anything. Not, didn't do anything. Not Didn't do anything. He was 8 of 14 for – like 71, 71 yards. yards. Right. Pick. Yeah. So I just didn't think that they would be able to be one-dimensional and then get away with a win yep. against a defense and a front seven, and especially a D-line that's that good. I, I was wrong. I don't really understand how that happened still. But Benny Snell, 25 carries for 165 yards, and he got better as the game went on. Benny Snell was unbelievable. And credit Kentucky, because Kentucky won the battle at the line of scrimmage. On the defensive side, Josh Allen was unblockable down the stretch. Whoever was playing tackle for Mississippi State, it did not right. matter because they tried rotating a bunch of guys in. It was useless because Josh Allen was going to get to the quarterback, the other Josh Allen, and yeah. it, it didn't matter. Small and hands. he was <laughs> smaller hands, we think. Yeah, he still got some big hands. But. His stat line was only five tackles and one. I don't think he even registered a sack. It Maybe didn't it matter. One. It didn't matter. I, but I thought he was in the backfield the entire like the entire fourth quarter he was in the backfield. He impacted that game in a way that like Khalil Mack did in the first right. half of that week one game against against the Packers. It was that kind of dominant where you're like you don't need to look at a stat line to see how dominant a guy's right. being. I I'd be curious to see like what is I'm sure Pro Football Focus already came out with his grade, but he beat his guy off the line of scrimmage every ninety three point eight four seven Q. Seriously, I but but so in both big games they've had this season. The win against Mississippi State, obviously, and the win at Florida. Benny Snell's been great, sure. But, yeah, Josh Allen, he's been, he's been the one that's carried him to, like, a win. He's done everything. Josh Allen's been an All-American through yeah. the first four weeks of the season. Dropping and back in coverage, rushing the passer, like, literally doing everything. Yeah, George Jones was the – he was kind of the high-profile linebacker, at least last year, and George Jones has uh, – He's, he's an interesting character on and off the field. We can definitely say that. But uh, Josh Allen seems the one that just kind of ha- has seemed to put it all together and is is the difference maker for that right. defense. The Benny Snell Heisman campaign might be my favorite Heisman campaign that we have ever seen because we are going to be, especially if this continues, 
we are going to be blessed with some great sound bites. Some I don't fantastic see, sound bites. I don't like when you say we, because I'm not 100% on board this train. What? He's he's averaging 135 yards a game. He's done really. Like, he's played really well. I think Josh Allen is more deserving than he is right now. Of the Heisman? What are you new? This I mean, isn't a defensive award. Come on. It can be, dude. Remember that? Who's that guy? Uh, Desmond Howard. Yeah, Desmond Tim Howard Biotra also returned Matuga. kicks and scored touchdowns. And also true. Yeah. Um, I was kidding. It was Charles and it was Woodson. Charles Woodson was is what you were going for because Desmond Howard actually played offense. But that was a nice try. That was a joke. Yeah, I know. Whatever. We're off. We're on fire right now. We, this early, this early podcast recording. I, I mean, no, I, I know he's not going to win the Heisman, but let's be real. Neither is Benny Snell. Okay, so I, I'm just gonna. This is going to be a one-person Benny Snell Heisman yeah, campaign. Yeah, that's all you. You are. Uh, this, this is all me, and I'm okay with that because yeah. if I have to be um, Benny's, you know, I, I don't want to call it a, a a hype guy, but I, I feel like I could be that for him. I so, want to call it a hype guy, like a hype hype man. Yeah, um, so I've got some a few ideas for the Benny Snell Heisman campaign, oh, and just oh dear God. you need a base like you know like uh, Mackenzie Milton's got the the Heisman thing like for the Hawaii stuff and all that. Um, you need a basic hook line. You need something yeah. to get people in, something that's catchy. This is this is obvious. Benny for Heisman, Snell, yeah, that's what they say. That's what they say. Oh my my, oh Snell, yes, yes. So the big thing with even though this is 2018. Uh, something that we tend to do with the Heisman candidates is send out a bunch of mail and get people on their radar. And Benny Snell is, you know, for the most part, I think he's he's blossoming into a, a national name, and people are yeah, becoming more and more familiar with him. Um, but you know, maybe even coming into this year, he talked about how he wasn't getting the respect he deserved. He felt he was the best back in the country, all that stuff. So here's what we do: we release a follow-up track because, as we know, Benny the Bandit is a star star rapper. We release a follow-up track on how amazing Benny Snell is, and a little bit more, you know, kind of mainstream. You know, run, we can poppy. make currents. Yeah, poppy. It's got a little nice little hook to it. Yep. Um, but we release the track, and then here's what we do. Here's the key part. We send it out to all the writers, all the FWAA writers, yep. Football Writers and. Association of America writers, and we send it out on vinyl because. As we know, writers are hipsters. They love their Springsteen, and they love their vinyl records. So <laughs> all we got to do is send out this vinyl record of Benny Snell's new track that is just praising his his dominant ways, how he'll run over anyone. Are um, we on the track? We, yeah, we can be like DJ Khaled on the track, where we're oh, just God. shouting useless nonsense in the background. I want to be like the random, like, loud guy in the background, like from the 80s songs, like like Whitney Houston, I want to dance somebody. It's just like, dance! That's all it said. Just like every eight seconds. Like the guy in B-52s who you're like, wait, what are you, what are you doing here, guy? Yeah. You, you probably is that a kazoo? Here. Why is this I, song stuck in my head for three days? Yeah. I'm down I for that. Idea. Yeah, so I, I think we could fulfill that role for Benny Snell. Um, we are available for hire. I was the only one who was talking about his, his rap career with him at SEC Media Days. Let the record show that. So I think we have kind of dibs on that. I'm amazed that you jumped off that Mississippi State bandwagon. No, 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 so no. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. I just you need to praise Benny Snell because yeah. what he has done to this point has been really impressive. And I know it's only four weeks, but you could even go back to when he really after the Mississippi State game last year, how he got on a roll and he was the best running back in the SEC from basically the last for the last two months of the season. Right. And he far and away has been the best running back in the SEC to this point. I think he's what third in FBS and rushing in the country yeah. right now. Like he is, he is on a different kind of level. So we we need to be on the Mississippi State bandwagon as well. But we got to give Benny Snell his props. So 
Benny Snell is going to continue to get props from us, but let's let's talk about Mississippi State real quick, just because. Yes, there were people like me who saw last night and were like, "Holy cow! This is this does that, not look like the team that I thought was going to go seven and one in the SEC." Yeah, cost me a lot of money for one. So, sorry. Um, yeah, you just we'll get to that later. You, yeah. you and me have I got a bone to pick. I mean, here's the thing, Fitzgerald. All the all the things mm. that Mississippi State is, I don't want to say below average, but like not great at accuracy. Throwing the ball, they don't have a, they do not have a receiver that can go up and be a difference maker. Go up and get a 50-50 ball, and Nick Fitzgerald, the accuracy is a problem. He overthrows everyone, everyone. It's a, it, everyone. It needs improvement. It needs improvement. It definitely does. The best does pass because... of the night was at like third and thirty-four, and he hit the receiver right in the hands, and he yeah. dropped it. But I mean, yeah. sixteen of thirty-two, like one hundred and forty-five yards. We talked about how Terry Wilson didn't do anything. Do you know what Terry Wilson's QBR was? Uh, like 60? 30.6. What? And that was 4.5 points higher than Nick Fitzgerald. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was one of the worst games of his career, I think, statistically. I just, there's a difference between, like, I thought Mississippi State was, like, on the cusp of being, like, a a great team or a, a really good team. You know, I was buying into the hype that you've, been putting out since June. Still, let's not let's not sell. Let's not sell our Mississippi State stock. Oh, I am. Yet. Yeah, I, I definitely you're, you're selling. You're selling. And All here's right. why: there's a difference between good and great teams, and great teams don't perform in the way that Mississippi State did last night. They were held to 201 yards of total offense. Okay, they so came in averaging what, 587. You're right. You're you're 100 right. Here's what I'll say about that. Kentucky is better than we were giving them credit for. Completely agree. No doubt about it. If you watch the way that they blocked, I think Kentucky was absolutely impressive. And I, 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 my five-win prediction for Kentucky, out the window. Yeah. Let's give Kentucky its props. I thought that there was going to be a game early on, and I thought it was going to be the Kansas State game. Right. Where it, it just didn't look like it clicked. You had guys who looked like they didn't necessarily know what they, they were going to do on offense. You know, offensive linemen were obviously not not in the right protections. You had too many guys getting unblocked to Nick Fitzgerald. It takes a while to get this. It takes a little bit to get this offense down, to get trust in those receivers right. downfield. And they couldn't get the running game going. And nothing was working offensively, really outside of that one long touchdown drive where Nick right. Fitzgerald walked in that touchdown. But... I thought that there was going to be a, at least a bump early on because Joe Moorhead's system takes some time. So if you want to get off the bandwagon, I'm fine. This well, is I like on the bandwagon for Mississippi State. Let, okay. Let's be clear about that. Okay. So that this being is, said, they they don't do the things that great teams do. They had 16 penalties. Yeah, way un, way I mean, too undisciplined. The composure, yeah, the discipline was they were completely undisciplined, and it got worse as the game went on. They had five false starts. You know how I feel about pre-snap penalties. You love them. I'll lose my mind. I'll say a lot of bad words. I just, I mean, and maybe it's because it's Moorhead's first year, but this is a pretty experienced team. A lot of upperclassmen, a lot of returning starters. I was surprised about the penalties for sure. Lost and their then composure. Just big time. Yeah. What, what's the new ceiling, real quick? What's the new ceiling for Kentucky? What's the new ceiling for Mississippi State? Kentucky, um, 16 wins in an AFC championship. Nice. And, no, I would say... Who do they still have left? Hold on. Well, they got South Carolina coming to town. That's next that week. is yeah. And they're at A and M. I'd say I'd say nine wins. I think that's Maybe a realistic 10? ceiling. I think that's a realistic ceiling. I'm um, I'm on board with that. Um, Mississippi State. I, I'm still going to put the ceiling at ten, just because that's who I am. Uh, I'll admit last night was concerning, but 
I still am not selling my Mississippi State stock. If people want to leave the pool because one cloud showed up, whatever. More room for me to lay out my lounge chair and enjoy the, the sunshine. Well, I think people wanted comes. to leave the pool because they wouldn't stop peeing in it. That was the thing. And where was Kylan Hill? Yeah, he, he did not get anything going. They tried Four with their carries. It Nothing worked. It was not a good night for Mississippi State. That is 100% for sure. Let's move on, though, to, to A&M Alabama, the game with two ranked teams in the SEC. But my goodness... Slight advantage for the team in Crimson, I would say. But we're not going to say that. So, let's break down a few things here. Alabama misses 50 points for the first time this year. Tua Tungvaloa, season-high eight completions. Tua actually had multiple incompletions on third down. Yeah, in a row. Awful, just awful. Um, Alabama allowed a season-high 23 points. You're saying it like a joke. I was pissed. A&M outgained Alabama 130 to 109 in rushing yards. My Including goodness. 101 yards rushing, or 101 more yards rushing in the first half than Bama had. Kellen Mond uh, was two yards be- from becoming the first quarterback to hit 100 rushing yards against the Nick Saban defense. Yeah, I blew Just, that one. Man, I, I mean, my goodness. Alabama, uh, is the dynasty dead? You're, <laughs> I hate you. I mean, <laughs> so, I, so here's what I'm struggling with after watching the game yesterday. First off, I, I, at halftime, Kellen Mond had 112 yards rushing. And there's only been 10 players that have rushed for more than 100 yards in the last, I think, 10 years against Saban. And it's people like Gurley, uh, Jeremy Hill, the Nick, Nick Chubb. Chubb did, yeah. Yeah. We have that one long run. We're not going to get into it. Anyway, like an um, only, 10 players, only 10 players have, have rushed for more than 100 yards. At halftime, Kellen Mond had 112 yards rushing. Yeah, he had a long 54-yard run uh, as well. Uh, he, Calamon looked looked good at times. Really that good, game. not throwing the ball, but yeah. Um, okay, so I, I started off with all those negative stats because, of course, you've seen by now. Nick Saban's quote after the game was absolutely priceless. He said, uh, "Quote: I would appreciate." This is talking to the media. He said, "I would appreciate it if you looked at the things we didn't do so well and maybe write about that, so I can show it to the players and say." Look here, man. This is something you can do better. That is a real, actual quote from Saban. He is searching for ways to try and show his team that it isn't a super team because it just beat the doors off of a top 25 A&M team. Didn't cover the spread, though, so probably should have mentioned that. I got him at 21, thanks to my bookie. We'll get to that later as well. Smart. smart. But, yeah, I mean, they did. And Jimbo calling a timeout at the end of the game, if they would have backdoor covered that, I would have been broken. I don't want to say I, I'd break something, but I would have been broken. Real quick, he had a long quote about that. About um, I, I, I find no fault in Jimbo for, for doing that whatsoever. He yeah, because you don't gamble coach. in the games. <laughs> no, he's a first-year coach. He's trying to get you know rapport with his player. But, yeah, yeah you, you know what? You, he probably should have taken the teasers into effect. His team had already covered, so he probably wasn't thinking about the regular spread. I, I guarantee mean, you, though, Saban, was think, Saban in the back of his mind, he knows spreads, and he knows that there are a lot of people that he would like to make happy up there, and I you mean, can I tell watching like it, that game. That after what he knew. said after the game, Saban was like close to calling the timeout for like himself. Mm-hmm. So they could have scored. I mean, the defense. See, here's what I'm struggling with: is this is the defense not as good as it has been in years past? Because they gave up what 391 yards, something like that. Gosh. Or is this just what the team looks like now? Because the, the offense is for the first time ever under Saban, for the first time I think in my lifetime that much better than the defense. The offense is that is just it's, that good. 
It's they, that good. They completed passes to eight different receivers yesterday, and seven of the eight had multiple receptions. Tua was unbelievable. We got to see him play three quarters, essentially. Uh, had a career-high 387 passing yards, four touchdown passes. Also had a rushing touchdown. And yeah, one of the passing touchdowns was a little pop pass. And he gets credit for that because technically it's a forward pass. But like, let's let's chill on anybody saying yeah. that he's padding his stats because Tua never gets to play in fourth quarters. Here's, here's an interesting question about Tua, then we'll get to Jalen. And Gary Danielson brought this up on the broadcast. When is Tua going to throw a pass in the fourth quarter? Is it going to be... November, LSU? Is that the first time it's I mean, it's worrisome because, like, you don't want it to get to a big game like Auburn or LSU or, you know, well, actually, never mind. I was going to say, like, where they have to come from behind, but he's already been there. Yeah, I was going to say, he's uh, he's probably shown himself uh, capable of doing that. He, like, at some I just need him to get, like, a drunken public or, like, a D, like, on his report card. I need him to do something to, like, knock him down like a peg. He threw a couple incompletions on third down, so that's true. You know, credit. I mean, he was a human being after all. Let's let's not forget that. I I was really impressed with him for most of the day. The offense, like the the running game, did not look good. The defense, I I was mad about the entire afternoon. Did not think they played very well. Like so many big plays, especially to Kellen Mond, like like on the ground. Then like you look at the stats at the end of the game, they held A and M to negative twelve yards rushing in the second half and had seven sacks. They came pretty in good. on the season with nine. So, yeah, I mean, they're pretty good. They've got a lot to work on. Gosh, you are such a Saban disciple. I was so mad. I, you, oh, I love it. You texted me yesterday, and I was like, we look like blank. And you're like, okay, you're up by. It's 31-13 in the first half. Why don't you, yeah. why don't you take it down a notch? Um, Jalen Hurts plays in his fourth game. Uh, any future game that he plays in, the red shirt is out the window. And there was an interesting note, uh, again, uh, that Gary Danielson brought up. And he basically said, like, Week two, he thought this was out the window. And he thought right. that uh, because he went in that game against Arkansas State, uh, that he thought Jalen basically made the decision right then and there because Saban needed a backup. He turned to Hertz and said, look, I need to know if you're on board for this. And Hertz was on board. Right. I have, This, of course, you know, after I went on Feinbaum and said that I still think that Jalen quits the team. And, of course, Alabama fans took that rationally and were totally oh, cool yeah. about that and didn't flood my mentions What we're known best for. Um, yeah, and there, I had people saying to me that I needed to apologize to Jalen. Uh, well, did you? <laughs> but let's 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 take it right here. So I'll, I'll yeah I'll apologize to Jalen for providing an opinion on a subject and saying that it was an opinion and not saying that it's definitively going to happen. It was just it's a guess the way I've had you say the you, way you said that doesn't seem very sincere. You're right because it's not. <laughs> okay, also fair. Um, yeah, uh, we did not. We had uh, some ups and downs this week with the audience and the. Um, and the fans, which we'll obviously get to later. I thought Danielson, and people rag on Danielson a lot, I thought he had some really good points and some really good insight about Jalen and Tua. He had a quote about Tua about, like, how good of a player do you have to be to make Nick Saban change his entire offensive philosophy for you? That's essentially what he's done. And, you know, it is it is in part what what Kiffin implemented. And there are there are wrinkles of that definitely. And of course, Saban and Kiffin, the whole dynamic about whether or not Saban likes how much Kiffin throws the ball, all that stuff was was played out so much right. in 2014. But th- there is there is definitely Tua's touch on this offense where there are so many different times when you're like, okay, 
this is easily a spot where Alabama would have had Jalen would be running, he'd be scrambling yep. for a first down. It'd be a first read, and then oh, it's not there. I need to try and get five, six yards out of this. And two is like, nah, I can fit this seam in there, no right. problem. I have I have plenty of confidence in my arm, and then he and then he does, and it's like okay, right. twenty five yards later. So. Yeah, I mean, the differences are obvious. I thought Gary Danielson, though, bringing it back to, to, to Hertz, talked about the fact that uh, that he, well, he believes that Tua is learning so much from this offense, as is, is Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Playing for, for Mike Loxley in this play calling and getting him to develop as a passer, if he can stay at Alabama as opposed to going somewhere else where they're going to make him a running quarterback, I think that is at least an interesting thought because Jalen's like, look, I, I know I can run. I, right. I, I know that I, I that I have that part of my game. I need to develop as a passer if I'm ever going to make it in the NFL. And there is this other belief that he could stay at Alabama, still get plenty of snaps, still get plenty of eyes on him, get the coaching that he needs right. to potentially stay and develop as a passer. If that somehow happened, Nick, that would be the most like the, I, I, that would be the most Saban thing to ever happen like for that to work out in that fashion but i don't think it will still you think he's gonna get gray shirted man saban loves him a gray shirt that's his favorite have we ever gray shirted a kicker um yeah i mean yeah i i and i was on board with the whole Jalen quitting the team thing and, and thought that might be like the best option for him and all that i mean yeah danielson made a really good point about you know why would he leave if he's familiar with the, the university, familiar with the coaching, is going to get the best coaching. And you got to keep in mind, Jalen is a, is a coach's son. So I would assume he'll probably go into that role at some point. He's going to get like the best coaching, the best facilities, and all that kind of stuff for a, a full year. What? They're, they're good. I know. Keep, keep What's this look you give me? Keep, keep, giving him, keep giving him all the, the, uh, the reasons he needs to stay. That's cool. Whatever. I mean, he sh- yeah, he should probably quit and go somewhere else and give himself two years. But I mean... Maybe, maybe this is what he wants to do. You never I'll even ad- asked him. <laughs> I'll admit if I'm wrong. I, I will. I will absolutely admit that I'm wrong. If if in a he very does backhanded way. Yeah, in a very backhanded way, and I will not come out with an apology. Sorry. Um, I mean, let's I'm a quitter. Go- That's. I mean, I think everyone knows that. So <laughs> whatever you want to do, Jalen, follow your heart, man. Live, laugh, yeah, love. Yeah, and, and and I will not fault him any decision that he makes. And I will if if the kid wants to ultimately say, you know what, I need another place to play. Nobody's faulting him for that, and he's given so much to that university. Yeah. We've talked about that at length. Let's talk about another contender uh, in the SEC, a team that we think is going to be there in Atlanta in December, and that's Georgia. On the road at Mizzou, second, um, how do I say this nicely, uh, second atmosphere in the division that Georgia's had to go to this year where it has been uh, – I don't want to say put to the test because that's not that's not fair. But credit Mizzou in this game because Mizzou actually I thought handled itself at the line of scrimmage extremely yeah. well, and I thought Georgia was just going to dominate them, run the ball down their throat. That did not happen at all. This was a two touchdown game. Georgia didn't cover the fourteen and a half point spread, but they um, covered thirteen and a half, like I said. They, and you probably yeah, you're you're very very smart. I, I need to learn uh, your ways, but. So this is only the second time since 2017 that Georgia failed to beat an East team by at least 25 points. What? Isn't that amazing? That's a ridiculous. Well, it's only two. I mean, a year and a half. It's like seven, eight games. Yeah, it's still so impressive. Eight games. It's still very impressive. Uh, yeah, eight, eight games, right? Yeah, eight games. Either so, way, still. Mizzou. I thought. I thought, like you said, they looked. They looked a lot better. Drew Locke, man, that was tough. It didn't help the fact that Emmanuel Hall was injured, and they, he tried to give it a go, but it did not. 
He needed him. Yeah. He needed him. There, Mizzou had no deep passing game whatsoever. No. It was it was ugly. It was up to Drew Locke to try and dink and dunk, and that's just not his main game yet. It's right. just not. Um, and, and I did. This was a missed opportunity for Drew Locke in that regard, and obviously not having his go-to receiver hurts. This was just a weird game, though. I mean, UGA had that blocked punt for a touchdown, and then it had, you know, it also had like the Albert O fumble that shouldn't have been a fumble because they should have blown the play dead. I, so there was a lot, and, and I don't want UGA fans to freak out because I said all week and all day yesterday that I thought they would win. I thought they would cover thirteen and a half. They won by fourteen. I had so much, so much anger from you, from UGA fans. I feel like I was pretty spot on with the analysis I, of the game. I think um, so. I, it just. I'm not trying to make excuses for Missouri and like why they lost because Georgia, I think, is a better football team. However, those refs did not do them any favors, man. No, at any point not. in the game. And so, hats yeah. off to Mizzou for not ever giving up. But yeah, they did not do them any favors. That being said, it's really, really impressive how complete of a team UGA is. They looked undisciplined at times. They had a lot more mental errors and a lot, a lot of uh, I think they had seven penalties overall. But they scored a touchdown in every single facet of the game. Offense, defense, and special teams. Touchdown bingo, we call it. Um, when, when did we start doing like that? that? Okay. I don't know. We just I saw it on Twitter yesterday, and I was like, oh, stealing that. Um, so, yeah, Georgia, I thought, from a running standpoint, did not really get the, the momentum that we thought it would. Right. But the passing game. Jake Fromm, to all the people out there, Jordan Rodgers, yep. who uh, were doubting Jake Fromm and saying that he can't really do a whole lot with his offense, Man, I, 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 question, I question that belief because some of the throws that he was making and obviously some amazing catches, of course. Riley Ridley was incredible. I mean, Cole yeah. Hardman had the long touchdown. Um, but I, I, I thought that um, a lot of the people who would be questioning Jake Fromm and what he can do got a good reminder in the second half of just how good this kid is. And even the interception in the first half was Miko Hardman not realizing that he had another defender coming on him. That right. ball was on target, in his hands, and it was just one of those weird scenarios where he just let him right into the Pinball, defensive back. Yeah. It was it was strange. And I the first the first interception that Drew Locke threw wasn't his fault either. Um, but this is still a game in which uh, Georgia just showed everyone, I thought, why it was elite. And on right. a day when it was not dominant at the line of scrimmage, maybe part of that was because Andrew Thomas was still banked up. And, you know, Cade Mays didn't necessarily dominate the way that he did a couple weeks ago against South Carolina. But it's a better I thought, Yeah. I mean, uh, Terry Beckner Jr. is a very, very good football player. They, they, they act, Mizzou held up really, really well. There were a few instances where I was just expecting Georgia to impose its will. And that didn't yep. happen. That did no. not happen at all. Credit Mizzou because Mizzou's defense. A couple of key stops on third and fourth. Yeah, Mizzou's defense has has improved in my opinion. I think that's going to make them a little. That that bid for second place in the East is very interesting now. With right. it's it's Mizzou, it's Kentucky, it's South Carolina. Those three teams is is pretty much what we're looking at. But if they don't get Emmanuel Hall back, they're in trouble. Yeah, and I mean, I, I was really impressed. Everybody that I thought needed to have a big game, not only to win, but just for their future or NFL stock or draft stock, DeAndre Walker had a huge game. Huge. Two sacks, two forced fumbles. Um, Beckner had a great game. I thought he was in the backfield for most of the third and fourth quarter. Fromm started out like three of nine, ends the game, I think 13 of 23, so he goes, what, 10 of his last 14. And they, and they had explosive plays, which was mm-hmm. the big thing. They had, he had three touchdown passes, all of them were over 30 yards. Yeah, so one of those, Jeremiah, Hol- Jeremiah Holloman. I think I'm saying that right? Jeremiah mm-hmm. Holloman, right? Um, so he did what DeAndre Baker did a couple weeks ago against South Carolina and dropped the ball as he was crossing the goal line. 
and wow, it was. If we had had another look at that, man, they I, did. I don't know. I, if we had had uh, a definitive look at that to show, <sighs> replay could have overturned that potentially because I yeah. when I saw the replay, I was like, oh man, I know this is a, you can't overturn something like that without definitive evidence, but right. Oh man, I, and I know Mizzou fans were were upset with that, but because it was just another another incident in that game. I mean, it's the strange. fact that the tight end—I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name—Alberto. It's Alberto. Alberto. The fact they did not like blow the whistle for forward progress. I mean, that was outrageous. The whistle definitely should have been blown dead. There were a few instances in that game where you're just like, refs, you got to kind of be definitive here. I understand that you don't want to blow a play dead when there's a fumble or something like that, but you got to—you can't swallow your whistle the entire time. No. It was, it but was I just understand strange. why he did because he was downfield blocking for that you know touchdown return. That oh, yeah. was Poor incredible. Drew Locke, yeah. Drew Locke um, cannot get off a block, dude, to save his life. Definitely going to put that in the scouting report. The big, the big frustration point I bet for Kirby Smart though was that was that for the second time in three weeks he watched a player somehow drop the ball on the goal line. So here's what I think needs to happen because we know Kirby Smart is going to give him a tongue lashing. He's going to yell like crazy, flop right. his visor around, get all red faced. That only goes so far because Kirby does that all the time. So I, I wanted to pitch a couple ideas so that Georgia doesn't do this. And it's not as simple okay. as you're going to run until you, you puke because obviously that's not working because I assume that that's what happened two weeks ago when DeAndre Baker did it against South Carolina. So here's right. what we, we need to do. These are these, these are millennials that we're dealing with here. Or are they, you know, they're Gen Z, whatever they want to call them. These are you. What's the next that, one going to be? I don't know. I think we've run out of letters. How the hell do we already get to Z? I, I don't know. There's no Gen A, was there? I don't know. I mean, I guess Adam and Eve. They they were terrible. Good point. That's why they called it Gen A, because Adam. The BC um, baby boomers? Oh, man, they were the worst. <laughs> so Kirby Smart needs to turn this into a reward system. It's not so. That's the new thing that all the teachers are doing. You can't sit there and scold a kid and put him in timeout. Right. When a kid acts up, you go out, you have a talk with him, and then you give him a reward. I hate that system, by the way. But yeah, that's terrible. The, the way that teachers yeah. are being taught. So this is what needs to happen. If everyone hands the ball to the ref, crosses the plane, hands the ball to the ref, is responsible about it, if that happens for every Georgia touchdown in a given week, Georgia gets a Fortnite tournament at the stadium. You are, I mean, full of ideas. Yes. Oh, big idea guy today. Yeah. If that doesn't sell, and it would, Waffle House on Kirby every day for a week, which we know Kirby's already eating Waffle House every single day. Yeah, so. No doubt. They just get to follow him. Um, the entire team gets to follow him, and then you know everybody gets to, you know, sit there and take up an entire Waffle House. They wouldn't fit in one Waffle House, um, so that's no. maybe a bad idea. Or even a booth. Go. Yeah, or or a booth. Um, but I think that that would work as well. Um, other ideas, maybe. I don't know. How about like Kirby does something where players uh, are able to dress him for a day. Um, or, no, no, no. How about this? Kirby has to wear the, the shoulder pads, the spiky shoulder pads for an entire game if UGA goes one for oh, each their game. Fans that UGA, would love that. If UGA goes one game without the, the fumble at the goal line, the dropping the ball at the goal line, Kirby's got to wear the, the spiky shoulder pads the following week. What how about, about instead they just get to keep playing and they don't get benched? No, that's come on, come on. This is you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be soft with these with these guys because obviously that that approach isn't working. So you gotta be willing to change it up a little bit. I mean, I just I think they're they're you gotta kind of dial them back a notch though, put them back yeah. in their place. I mean, when's the last time we've seen a white running back at Georgia? Huh? They always have one. True. Put that guy in. That guy's gonna take your position. You want some guy named Brendan taking your position? I don't think so. Nobody wants to lose anything to Brendan. 
I think we'll, we'll just chalk it up to walk-ons. So we'll just put walk-ons. Yeah. There. Let's let's. Sneaky athletic. That's what I should have said. Uh, gritty. Gritty is the word. There it is. Uh, West Welker. <laughs> let's stick in the division. The SEC East, a big-time showdown in Knoxville. Uh, I say big time loosely because oh my God. Tennessee did not treat it like it was a big time rivalry game. We were both dead wrong on this. We picked Tennessee to win outright, and very quickly, that did not look so good. Florida they... blew the doors off of Tennessee in Knoxville. 47 to 21 was the final. Yikes, Tennessee. I mean, yeah. I, I was, I don't know why, but I was sold on Tennessee winning this game outright. Man, I, I was too. I still don't think either team is really good good per se i hate to say that but i mean yeah florida oh, good god i mean tennessee how do you do that you turn the ball over six times that's how you do four that. times in the first half yeah i mean it was the the hype video that came out oh man Nealon was packed it was a night game he had all day to get good and lubed up as i like to say it just that means drunk good yeah yeah Need okay. to preface sorry about that guys um and then they just come out and lay an egg i mean their defense the past two weeks granted they played nobody they gave up three total points. Then you come out to a Florida team that isn't that great on offense. And Florida covered the over-under by themselves. I was surprised because Kirk Herbstreit said first to ten was going to win this game. And I was kind of like, yeah, I could, I could see yeah. that. I mean, <laughs> I and Felipe Franks. How, by the way, how did he score his first ever rushing touchdown? Ran it into the end zone. Uh, that's also like, How fair. has he not had one before? Yeah. That's a good question. I have no idea. Um, yeah, it's, it's somewhat amazing that it took this long. I, Felipe Franks uh, ended up 9 of 18, I think. He had a long touchdown pass to, to Freddie Swain, a guy who I wrote about this past week as being a, an X-factor for Florida, right. a guy as a potential game-changer. From that standpoint, I give Felipe Franks credit because he made some nice plays in this game. I'm still not a Felipe Franks believer. No. I think we all know that. Um, there are still a few moments in that game where I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, 9 of 18 is... against that defense. Yeah. And, and I honestly, outside of... Garantano, I don't know if I could name another player that is an above-average SEC football player on Tennessee's team. And I, I know that's harsh. Let's touch Yeah, that's fair. But And, and obviously, um, why am I drawing a boy? Because that's the lineman. He's like the best lineman in the country. Trey Smith. Trey Smith, Trey Smith yeah. yeah. I yeah, mean, poor, poor Austin Pope, though. Oh, oh man. Did you see that play? The, the, the fumble into the end zone? By the way, the thing that we talked about a few weeks ago with the uh, – whether or not that should be a touchback. Uh, right. Interesting that, yeah, that we saw that happen again. But, oh, just slipped right out of his hands. That's got not top ten written I just, all over it. I've never been one to really feel bad for Tennessee fans. But last night was different. I felt, I mean, that was just, that sucks. They don't deserve that. Did you see the one Tennessee fan they showed who was, like, he just had a smile on his face. It was like all he could do was smile. And he, right. I, I this is it. rock bottom. We're it. here. This this is rocky top bottom, I'm sure, was God. definitely not said. And I, I still think anyway. Pruitt will be able to turn that around, but it's going to be a long season. Yeah, there were a few interesting things that came out of this game, one of which was the hit on Jared, Jared Garantano. Which one? And uh, there was, well, the one that took him out of the game. Right. And many argued that it was dirty. I didn't see who the Florida player was who took him out. I couldn't, I, I couldn't tell necessarily, but that's not necessarily the point. Um, the hit, of course, brought in Keller Christ, and it looked like a play that should have at least been flagged. I was Without stunned a doubt. That, it, that it wasn't. That, that blew my mind as to whether or not it was done maliciously or, or whatever it was. Like, I don't want to assume anything like that, but it did I not will. look good. <laughs> it, 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 looked, it looked dirty, but, you know, in real time, I don't know. 
maybe but when you maybe slow it down on the replay, it looks a little bit different. But he was kind of stumbling, and then he kind of looked like he fell into him. He could have stopped. I, yeah. I don't know, but uh, certainly not what you want to see if you're Tennessee. Because I actually thought through, you know, in the first couple of weeks, Derek Garantano wasn't making the mistakes to cost Tennessee. He was no. not necessarily a game-changing quarterback, but he, I thought he was doing a lot of things right in his first year under Tyson Helton, the offensive coordinator. Watching of watching him play quarterback behind that offensive line the past two years is like watching like a jackass skit, like where he's just getting hurt intentionally way, way more than he should. It's like DeAndre Francois at Florida State. You're like, dude. God. Just, uh, Why are you going in? Don't put your foot in that bear trap. That's going to hurt. That's going to hurt. What's wrong with you? Uh, the other very noteworthy element that came out of this postgame presser from Jeremy Pruitt, who is, of course, transparent as ever, talked about uh, Quarte Sapp leave, leaving the field oh during the game God. because he did not want to go uh, into the game when he was told to. So Pruitt told him to leave. The status of his te- uh, the status of him with the team we still don't know yet but for Jeremy Pruitt to come out and basically say like yeah the guy was we wanted him to go in the game and he refused and so I, I, I sent him home was <laughs> you don't really get that from from a college coach for no. this is what we talked about with Pruitt about how transparent he's going to be that I was mean, a oh I remember we, there was you know I, I played college baseball we don't really talk about it that much sick brag yeah um I remember we were playing a game in like Valdosta and it was like 30 degrees and raining and miserable and like Shout out team. Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp. That's Bart right. Yeah. The team we were playing, they were from Florida, and we were like destroying them. And they, they were wearing like 1920s, like oversized wool uniforms. It was ridiculous. And I remember our coach asked somebody like to get like a get loose for like a pinch hit. He's like, no, I'll just I'll save myself an 0 for 1. And then didn't go in the game. I was like, well, that's interesting. You can just do that. This is different. This is a, a big different. time SEC football game. And it actually matters. We were playing like Newberry, whatever community college that is. I don't like. What are you there for? What did you think was going to happen? I don't know. That's that's not a good sign, though. I think uh, a lot of a lot of room to to improve. Needless to say, and oh, by the way, you get to go to Georgia next week, so I'm sure oh that'll be gosh. fun for for Tennessee. Also, this... very unfortunate that his name has a Q, a U, and a T in it, and an apostrophe. Yeah, I was going to say quit, quit ASAP. See it there? Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, who did this game say more about, Florida or Tennessee? Um, I think Tennessee. I agree. I think there's more definitive answers in the long run that were on display. That's what I'll say. I agree. And yeah, they're 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 a year or two away. It is not good. At least, at least, an SEC East heavy episode. Let us move on to South Carolina and Vandy. And South Carolina says, "Hey, Vegas, you're only giving us one. You're only." You're only giving Vandy one and a half points. You need to give them a whole lot more than that because South Carolina goes into Nashville, wins that game 37 to 14, proving that we are smarter than Vegas once and for all. Yeah, I don't I don't appreciate that, Vegas. I don't appreciate me having to like get in my own head yeah, and start jerks. overanalyzing everything, going back and forth. I mean, this was never well, I wouldn't say it's never close. But yeah, Carolina did exactly what I thought they would do. They rallied together. They 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 wanted to get like we talked about the on the Wednesday podcast. That they want to get like that bad taste out of their mouth after the UGA game. Big they time. come out first drive of the game, four plays, four first downs, and a touchdown. Right off the bat, ready to go. I mean, it was really, really impressive. The offense as a whole, very balanced. I think they ran for or they threw for two sixty one, ran for like two seventy four. They had four yeah. different running backs with over forty five yards at least. Um, Jake Bentley had a good day. The they, comment that. 
the comment that so going off of the, the the rushing totals that you brought up there, the final total was 273 to 92, and South Carolina talked about in the post game how they took. Derek Mason's street fight comment to heart, basically saying he thought this game was going to be a street fight, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if there's anything really wrong about that. This is kind of just Derek Mason being Derek Mason, in my opinion. I don't know. But South Carolina apparently thought that that was, you know, offensive to them or or whatever it was because Jake Bentley brought it up and Will Muschamp brought it up. And Will Muschamp even went so far as to say, uh, we could have hung 50 on them had we held on to the ball at the end. Yeah, which is true. Um, Yeah. I mean, they might have been offended because it was Vandy saying it. Yeah, I'm if, if it had been like fight, man. No, you're not. No, we're going to play like charades or something. Is Vandy who we thought it was? I mean, I, I said all along I thought that they were getting way, way too much, like, better of the doubt after that. There was a no game. game. Yep. I mean, without a doubt. And, yeah, Kyle Shermer is still a good quarterback. That defense, I thought, was better than this. But, I mean, giving up 534 yards. I'd say what, that offense is exactly who I thought it was. Yeah, it's. I I think there are still some some tough times ahead for Vandy this season. Even though yes, they they did have a nice first three weeks, but right. we said that before. I think they're um, they're improved. I'll say that. No, they they absolutely are. I I'll say that definitely from a from a defensive standpoint. I think they'll be a little bit better than uh, this past year. But still, what about a street fight standpoint. From a street fight standpoint, I think they could use some work. I wish, I mean, it would have been awesome if Derek Mason just kept yelling, like, Rookin, like, the whole time. Like, just really, really, like, got into the whole character. Could you believe that the college game day crew, the entire crew, picked Vandy to win this game? That was, I, I don't. I didn't get that. No. Told y'all. <laughs> they are who we thought they were. Um, so, Carolina wins 10 straight game at Vandy. Suddenly, that South Carolina-Kentucky matchup, though. Woo-wee. Game of the century. Uh, SEC East matchup of a lifetime. Can't wait I mean, to see that one. It, it, I, these two teams are pretty evenly matched. It's in Carolina? It's at Carolina? No, it's Kentucky, isn't it? Let me look at my calendar here. It is at Kentucky, and no yeah, one and goes into Kroger Field. No one. When they're giving away cash tickets for $8 and a Coke can. It's like we the, need to talk about that. That's we like, can. That's, that's like not, going that's to Six Flags. It's like... Or like the book it program. Like, did you read a book this week? Here you go. There's a free personal pan pizza, <laughs> and you get to go to the Kentucky game. Let's whip around the rest of the SEC. Because Let's talk more about the book it program because I think that's why I stopped reading. <laughs> we had LSU taking on Louisiana State. We, I'm going to welcome in a very very special guest. It is Coach O. It's your favorite segment. It's Ed Talks. Um, Coach O, you didn't cover the spread. But you, your team fought, and I think that that was pretty noble to 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 be able to you know push Louisiana Tech. God, I'm gonna stop you. I'm gonna right. stop you right there. Now, here's the thing. Now, saying a lot of words, you're not introing me in with my song. So, it's, sorry. but running back to the top. Okay, so don't 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 it a eye of the tiger, it a thrill of the fight, rising up to. Ride, ride. Uh. <laughs> God, we had a good game yesterday. We came out there. We played a lot of tech. Uh, Louisiana Tech It's one of the 87 uh, D1 Louisiana school. Pretty good football team. They Bulldog. You know, we uh, we played some Bulldog. We played Bulldog Mississippi Day. We played Bulldog Georgia. Uh, hell, Auburn might even have a Bulldog. They got so many mascots over there. Anyway. Uh, I mean, yeah, we, I, I said it in my press conference. That's not, I don't, I've fallen out. I've fallen out of the character. 
Let's start. Oh, over. I think that was good. Coach O, let's uh Marler, can you bring Coach O back on? We I think we lost connection. Are you him, okay? Uh, real quick. You wanna come back? Stop hitting yourself in the face. <laughs> Alright, he's coming back. So I, I talk about in the uh Brad Commerce. Fighting. Put your hand down, you're gonna get hit. Isn't that true. Dad Mason talk about it all the time. Always have a street fight. Me and Dad Mason. I ain't gonna tell you what happened. We tried to have a street fight one time. He about ended up in a hospital. Uh yeah, they know. We all know. Joe Burrow about had a heart attack. He he had that dive, a little helicopter dive. And I said in the press conference, you were nervous. I mean, I was nervous too. And I think today's topic, Ed Talk, is gonna be about being nervous, anxiety. It's okay to have anxiety. I get nervous all the time. Uh, public bathrooms, uh, handshakes. What if, what if I go handshake, he go fifth pound? And it's a uh, paper beat rock. Uh, let's see. Um, scary movie. Scary movie, I mean, not like the movie scary movie. They were funny, they were funny movies. Uh, but yeah, scary movie, I don't like that. What about a hug? Do you get a side hug? Forward hug? Uh, I don't know, offer and play the church. What I'm saying is, I mean, it, sometimes it's okay to be nervous. We fall, though. Joe Burrow ain't going to complete 50% of his passes. i tell you what, he going to complete. <laughs> Me. <laughs> Another thing about helicopters. Coach Joe, thank you for joining us. That was tremendous. We, oh, gosh, no I look tiger. forward to hearing from you every single week. Hold that tiger. Um, Gosh, I don't. I don't think there's anything left to say about about the LSU game. LSU didn't cover, but I feel like they did after hearing that. I mean, yeah, they did not look great. They were up only up like 24-21 going into the fourth quarter. Um, Got a little too close there for for. Uh, well, Lou Holtz knew that it was going to happen oh like that, and he was expecting the win, but it wouldn't have been an upset. So I guess they're that's that. also true. I mean, yeah, I think this was kind of expected. Um, this could have gone either way. Like I was, I was mainly impressed that they the offense put up thirty eight points. Yeah, uh, LSU turnover streak ends. Joe Burrow fumbled first turnover of the season. Ah, whatever. Let's not look too far into this. Um, Anybody neither. gonna fumble when you go hit by a helicopter? You won't listen. LSU did not cover. Ole Miss didn't cover either. Uh, we have a game against Kent State though because it looked like a hurricane was rolling through Oxford. Man, we we got there the right weekend because that was not the place to be. It looked, no, it looked. Ugly out there for a while. Long rain delay. Um, Ole Miss still uh, ends up getting the offense going. Uh, JT, our guy, Jordan. Um, over 400 uh, yards passing. Over 400 yards, as we predicted. That catch from DK Metcalf was ridiculous. I mean, back-to-back plays. Uh, yeah, because Demarcus Lodge had like the hurdle, hurdle thing. Somebody, then, yeah. yeah, that was uh, a nice little game for, for NWO after what was a very quiet showing uh, against Alabama. I, I want to talk about this because I, I don't want to break down Ole Miss too, too much. Oh, it's Ole Miss LSU next week, correct? Yes. Nine yeah, o'clock that'll, at LSU. That'll be uh, a nice clash of the, you know, the Titans with LSU defense, Ole Miss offense. We're going to talk about that uh, later in the week, of course. But let's let's trans- let's let's transfer to to Auburn. Funny uh, that I mentioned the word transfer because that seemed like all we were hearing. Yeah, about what is going week. on? Yeah, Nate Craig Myers leaves Auburn. Uh, Jalen Harris is going to redshirt, apparently, as well. Kind of the four games and done thing, or three games and done thing, really. Um, 
but very, very weird week for Auburn. We expected Auburn to just come out and dominate Arkansas. And yeah, they right. win this game 34-3, to and on paper, it's, it's a comfortable win, no doubt about it. But Auburn needed some special teams help to win this game because the offense really was not humming. And through three games against FBS opponents, Auburn's offense has not looked good, has not looked at, like it would be at the level that we thought it was going to be. Granted, two of those games were against really good defenses, right. of course, facing Washington, facing LSU. But here's the thing, and I'm worried about the Auburn offense. I, I am more worried. I, I thought Jared Stidham was, was the quarterback I wanted over any SEC quarterback coming into this year, uh, at least after week one, and that, that has not proven to be the case. So get this. Here are some numbers to throw at you for Auburn. Only averaging 23 points per game, the offense that is, uh, against FBS opponents so far this year, they only have three passing plays of 30 plus yards. And that in that that offense, that is that shouldn't happen. A shock. It, Gus Malzahn, you know, there there are not a lot of those intermediate routes really, where uh, you're seeing guys, you know, 15, 20 yards downfield, getting you know up in the seam. The, the routes that Tua I think throws really, really well. We're not seeing Jared Siddham really get a lot of those opportunities. Not a lot of yak yard potential. It's everything's either really short right. or it's a way downfield shot, and they're not hitting on those downfield shots right now. And this is something that David Pollock talked about actually um, on the Rosillo podcast. And I thought he brought up a great point: Is Jared Siddham being limited from like because of this offense right now? Is no, this I think Jared Siddham is limited. I think he's, this, I mean, like I, I said it, I thought it was an overreaction when it came out of my mouth, but I said he's the most overrated quarterback in the country. Wow. I still think he's a good quarterback, but, you know, we're talking about him being a potential first round or number one overall draft pick, and like we talked about before the season started, the odds that were at my bookie, who's going to be the number one pick in the draft in 2019? Is it Drew Locke, Jared Siddham, or Ed Oliver? I mean, we're four weeks in now. That seems ridiculous. It does. He only has three touchdown passes for the first four games, and and maybe part of this too is you know I, I'm 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 more of a Stidham believer I think than the general um, than the general public. I'm not saying he's going to be number one overall pick because I think the system is going to bring up a lot of questions come right. draft time uh, because it is just such an atypical system that's not even we don't really even see it that much in the NFL uh, to the extent that Malzahn takes it to. But there are also the offensive line issues, the concern that you brought up coming into this year. Only having their most experienced offensive lineman having six starts. I mean, this is still a, a unit that's trying to figure it out. It doesn't have that identity in the run game that right. we've grown accustomed to seeing. And I think that that's hurting Auburn right now. And, you know, the, I think the biggest thing with Stidham, one, that offense, the, the way that offense works at, like, its full potential is when you have a quarterback that makes you respect the run, like his ability to run. And Stidham's a better run than people give him credit for. But... It's not the same kind of threat. Like you're not. I mean, you're you're going to come crashing down that line because he's most likely going to be handing the ball off. Yeah, that he's being not said, fifteen times a game. Right, and the running game has not been great. They've, I mean, the turnovers. We're not even going to get into that. They've had that one game against Alabama State where they had five fumbles and four turnovers, or lost mm-hmm. four of them. But I mean, he's Stidham's not doing the things that you would expect out of a veteran leader and quarterback. And we talked about it before the LSU game. I, I said he's going to put them in like the right situations, and he's not going to do anything that's going to beat you. And first series, second play of the game, he throws a pick. Yeah. He just has not looked great. First, uh, this this first. That's why you don't get married? Four weeks. <laughs> These first four weeks have not been the best for Jared Stidham. Did get off to a slow start last year, although a little bit different because he was so new in that system. Right. I expected him to be better to start off the year. So, we had Uncle Chris. Having a, a pretty good week for the most part. A good I week. Think. Yeah, besides Mississippi State and you being an idiot and telling me to bet on, what was it, Minnesota? 
Uh, yeah, and I actually looked at my own picks, and I realized that I picked Maryland to cover. You're the worst. Sorry. Um, I, my bad. Yeah. I had a great day yesterday with my bookie. Uh, as always, make sure you guys are going to my bookie using the promo code SDS, and they will match your initial deposit up to 100%. If you have a bad week and you want to reload, you can get up to 70% of your deposit if you put money back in. They'll match up to 70% of that. If you use the promo code SDS25 after 7 p.m., which I'll probably do tonight, mm-hmm. right before the 8 o'clock NFL game, you get an additional $25 on top of the 100% uh, deposit they match. So I had a great day with my bookie. And again, my favorite thing about my bookie, um, besides, I don't know, just the endless amounts of gambling you're able to do, is the fact that you could buy up to three points. And I think I went 11-6 and six yesterday. Mississippi State. Solid. I had Mississippi State in a lot of teasers. Yeah. Um, also got a little bit. I was, I was feeling myself. I was pretty confident. I bet on some first half lines. I, I'm not proud of myself, but I won both of them. That was nice. But yeah, I mean, you can buy for three points, which comes in handy when I don't know your like the Bama A and M line gets bet down to 24, and you could bet it down to 21, and boom, they win by 22. Or the Georgia Georgia line when it's a I think Georgia's a 15 point favorite at kickoff. Bought it down to 13 and a half. They won by 14. There you go. Uncle Chris making you money. Yeah, one, Uncle Chris had a good one, day. Betting, betting it down one game at a time. By the way, I, I do want to say the end of the night was horrifying and incredible. You want to talk about anxiety. Stanford, I bet on Oregon? Wis- yeah, Wisconsin and Stanford, Oregon. I had both of them picked. That's how I had a, a winning day. It was a nice day. Dang. Yeah. Picking pick Iowa to not cover a night game at home is bold. That is a gamble, if I've ever. Well, if there's it. anything I know, it's Big Ten football. This so, is true. Yeah, this is true. Um, let's look at the real quick. Let's look at the the slate for Week Five because I'll be honest, it's not that good. No, <laughs> it's not that good. We have the the Dan Mullen return to Starkville, which I am really excited Wait, about. Yeah, it's pretty good. <clears throat> I don't think it's that great. I think the South Carolina Kentucky matchup suddenly looks even better. I'm excited for those two. Uh, six o'clock start uh, local time for that Florida Mississippi State game. Correct? I think that's. Is that oh no, Central it is time? Eastern. So it's five o'clock Central, uh, six o'clock Eastern. Hill Brothers, five South o'clock Carolina. somewhere. Am I right? <laughs> Gosh, you're gonna, you're gonna say it every episode. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee Georgia. Oof, that that one's eh, not, blood bloodbath. Not expecting. Uh, we're not gonna know the line. We don't know the lines uh, as of right now because we're recording this on Sunday morning. Do you have a prediction on what that Tennessee Georgia line is gonna be? I. It'll be over thirty. I mean, it'll, it'll probably be around, I would think, 33 and a half. Which was the same line, I think, for um, Middle Tennessee against right. Georgia. So I mean, it's kind of saying a lot. It, it's also because they're at home, but yeah, I mean, yeah, this is, it's going to be, it's going to be bad. It's going to be real bad. Um, yeah, I, I, the slate, in my opinion, not great. The Ole Miss LSU game, maybe some potential. I'd be more excited about that if we actually saw something from the Ole Miss offense against Bama, but I don't really have a whole lot of confidence against that LSU defense right. in Tiger Stadium. That game's kicking off at 9 p.m. Oh, my Eastern. God. That's basically Pac-12 after dark. Good and lubed up. Yeah, that's that's your word of the day, lubed. Yeah, I mean, well, it didn't sound as bad until you said it like that. Lubed. Yeah, no, sorry. sorry. Um, no, they're going to be having a real good time down there in Baton Rouge. Uh, Carolina-Kentucky, the SEC games I don't think are that bad. Bama playing Louisiana is ridiculous. It's, I mean, just... Just go play the Browns and just be done with it. We're over it. Um, A&M, Arkansas, the noon kick. That'll be interesting for a minute. In College Station, too. Uh, good good no, for it's, A&M. it's in Jerry World. 
Oh, it's a, a jury yeah. world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why I said that. I'm looking at the schedule right now on default was, yeah, I should hey, have known pay that. Pay attention, honestly. please. Gosh, what an idiot. I, I mean, uh, that game's always close, I feel like. It's always a good game. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun last year. Yeah. Really, really high scoring. Kelamon actually had a, a nice performance in that one. Um, would expect him to have a, a big time game against that Arkansas defense. Right. Here's the thing: uh, the slate itself, uh, in my opinion, not great. But we said that. I think we kind of said that going into going into. Well, no, we didn't say that going into week four. And week four turned out to be wild with what crazy happened Mississippi State and nationally beat. too. And nationally as well with Old the Dominion way that beating ended. Yeah, Old Dominion. Uh, yeah, country band, sort of. Um, beating <laughs> beating Virginia Tech. Pretty pretty amazing. Um, let's let's move on to a new segment. This is Mean Tweets. Yeah, oh, yes. it's it's Jimmy Kimmel. He came up with it first. Whatever, Steve Harvey has Family Feud. I know it's not just Steve right. Harvey's thing. But we, do, we just take names, and as long as nobody sues us, it's going to be okay. So, What's yeah, the meanest thing you ever tweeted somebody? And just know that I can't repeat mine. Meanest thing I ever tweeted somebody? Oh, man. You know, I, I can't even think because I'm not trying to say this as, like, I'm a nice guy. I'm just not a mean tweeter. I don't no. I, I do not do that. And I've seen some of the stuff that you've tweeted at Dan Wolken. Shout out Dan Wolken. Whoa, what? <laughs> you have to call me out like that? It's not even near, it's not nowhere nearly as bad as some of the stuff I've said. I don't have that mean of a tweet. I probably said it at least at some point. I've never tweeted um, at somebody who I didn't know like something mean just for the heck of it. I did chirp at uh, Darren Ravel this past weekend when he made a comment about, he's like, uh, for the first time ever, uh, Scott, like Frost is hot or something like that about Scott Frost. Like it was, it was a really bad Darren Ravel yeah. joke because all Darren Ravel jokes are hate, really bad. I mean, yeah, it's like, that's like hating Screech. Well, Screech now is. Uh, well, yeah, that's, that's also a good point. Yeah. Um, Very hateable person. One time Oops. after the kick six, I, uh, I got a lot of hate on social media, and one girl who wasn't even like a fan, but I knew like her deepest, darkest secret. Whoa! Um, about her uh, going going to the bathroom on herself on spring break, and I told everyone on Facebook. So, just goes to show you, we're gonna read these mean tweets, but ne- maybe next time you think twice. Yeah, think twice before tweeting at us. We're telling you, me a secret. Start us off here. Um, okay, this is from Jake Nadal. SDS has no objectivity, never seen them say one good thing about Florida. That was in response to my tweet slash write-up about how bad the uh, Florida-Tennessee rivalry has become when I compared it to old 60-year-old wrestlers. I think that was a fair point. And we do write actual positive things about Florida, but teams that win four games and have their coach get fired because they make up death threats and they pretend that they weren't. Fans are sensitive, man. Yeah, they are. Oh, man. And and I know there are a lot of Florida fans who are who are supportive, who who are, who have been great, and who will you know reach out if there's a good story. Um, but yeah, there there have been a lot of people who have not been happy with uh, the whole like SDS hates Florida thing. That's not true at all. Right. Um, I'm wearing an orange shirt right now, just to let you know. So there's a gator literally on it. There's there's an actual gator on my shirt. It is an orange shirt with. It's not a Florida shirt, but it's a shirt I got in the state of Florida. So yeah, think there about you go. That. Huge Florida gator fan. fans. Uh, this next one is from uh, Gaud is good. This is on Instagram. This is about uh, the Willie Taggart post that you had about uh, there being one W and two L's in uh, Willie, which is factually correct. Uh, the, so Gaud is good said, that's pretty good. I also think this page might be run by kids in high school. I'll have you know, I'm a 32-year-old male and I read on a 13th grade level. 
book what it. What does Waterboy say? Uh, I am 29 years old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, Florida State fans, I, I, I get it. We're, I mean, but it's not going to stop. I'm just going to keep keep ragging on y'all. And Nebraska, too. I guess I have to take the foot off the gas on Arkansas. They did not handle that well. No, no. Uh, let's let's do two more. Uh, this real one's here. probably the biggest one. Um, I posted a picture of Liberty's quarterback Buckshot Calvert, which is the greatest name ever. He's in like an all white suit with shades, like a big belt buckle. He looks like high class white trash, mm-hmm. what I've always wanted to be. And he's on the back of what I thought was a Trans Am. Also thought he wasn't the quarterback at Liberty anymore. I thought he graduated. So there was no part of my post that was factually accurate. Mm-hmm. And I said, my forever mood is Buckshot Calvert on the back of this patriotic-themed Trans Am. LOL, that would be a Corvette. You know about as much you know about as much about cars as you do about football. That's from a Razorback in Texas one, and that wasn't the most offensive part. The most offensive part was 18 people liked it. Yeah, that's tough to live down. I don't know anything Sorry, about cars at all. Yeah, not yeah. a car guy. This this last one is from Earl Screw on Twitter. This was uh, in response to the Ed Talks video that was tweeted out last Sunday night, which was glorious in my opinion. But whatever. Uh, Earl Screw said, uh, "Dweeb City population Saturday down south." Wow. Yeah. We newsflash: just, only dweeb say dweeb. Yeah, dweeb is not a word that regular human beings no. are supposed to use. I will say my favorite out of all these, and I know it's not listed, you, we're going to do one more. I'm not going to say the guy's name, but it's an older gentleman on Facebook. He's like the stereotypical old guy on Facebook where he like his profile pic is like a selfie he took from like right under his nose. Love that. And always says like, you're beautiful to like girls that he shouldn't be saying that to like in their comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time we do the Facebook Live, it comes up on his news feed. So he messaged us and said, get this blank off my computer. Okay. So we have an automatic response. It's like, thanks for messaging us. We'll get back to you soon. And so with the way that the analytics work, now it pops up more often. And <laughs> he just keeps writing. And like, so he, he messages us. He gets this automatic reply. And then he writes back. He's like, I'm serious, you son of a blank. And I'm like, should I say anything? Or should I just like let this happen? So about once every two days, I get like a misspelled threat from this guy and last week he told me to get out of his life forever so i think we broke up that's too bad uh i know we're 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 an unlike button away uh if you don't like us yeah uh, you don't have to follow us uh but no you should and you should tell all your friends to like and follow yeah and thank you for all the nice things you guys say i had a blast yesterday on twitter yeah, we, we joke. There are a lot of nice things that have been said. We're gonna we're gonna skip five star reviews this week. We're gonna get to we're gonna do a full batch of five star reviews um, this week on Wednesday. So please continue to send those in, and we will get to those as well. I've got one quick. It might mean too much, and this is I think is my most unpopular take ever um, that we've ever discussed on this podcast, and that is that I don't think fall weddings are that bad. You're an idiot. I know I'm an idiot. And I know that you had the PSA about cordially not invited to, to your fall wedding. Um, I, I get all that. I get it. But here's what I'll say. As someone who has had a fall wedding, and yes, it was planned before I ever started writing about college football. And, and it was something where it was opening weekend of college football, but we did it. We had a Sunday wedding, so everybody was still able to be in the bar on Saturday night uh, at our rehearsal dinner watching college football. We watched LSU Wisconsin. We did all that stuff, whatever. So here's what I'll say about fall weddings. Outdoor weddings are the best. Oh my God, everything you're saying is wrong. 
Outdoor weddings are the best. Sorry, indoor weddings. You what got about some underwater weddings. And that's that's a game changer. Boom. That's a game changer. That that'd be pretty cool. Outdoor weddings are the best. Fall is the best time of year weather-wise to Agreed. have a wedding because it's not spring. You don't have to worry about the rain. It's not winter because duh, it's winter. Um, and summer, it's you risk it being 90 degrees outside. So fall, obviously the best time of the year. So here's what I the point that I made. If you are a fan and you realize, crap, I've got a wedding this weekend. I can't watch that that AM Mizzou game. I don't man, I'm not gonna be able to live with myself. This is brutal. Here's my theory on games that you can't watch, but you know you're still gonna follow along. Because I've had this happen to me with Cubs playoff games where I've been I've had to work and I haven't been able to watch Cubs playoff games. We know how rare Cubs playoff games are. I, I need to be able how many to watch are, as many Don't they have possible. five, at least five in a series? I mean, best of five in the first round, and then you know, best of seven, best of seven. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing: if you're a fan and you're at a fall wedding, and if your team loses, you end up being if and if you and if you end up watching the game, you end up being more frustrated that you built your day around this loss. True, true or not true? Not true. All right, I think I'm not that agreeing with anything you're saying on this one. I know. So, and if your team wins. Okay, you're still going to be following it on your phone. You can record the game. You could watch it when you get home. You could watch it without the stress of knowing whether or not your team's going to win or lose. What are you? And you're still going to be happy, and you're still going to be in a good mood. False. That's- All this is false. We get 14 Saturdays a year. 14. Like, if if you have if you go to a bowl game, 15 if you go to the playoffs, 12 if you're not a good team, don't go to a bowl game. 12 precious Saturdays. And you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and say this right now about weddings. Stop sending me those damn save save the dates with you and some girl with a hyphenated name sitting like a sit down prom pose on train tracks or in front of some abandoned barn. I don't. I'm not gonna get you a, a present or a gift. They say you get a year. I'm gonna give it five. You prove you don't get divorced. Beat the stats. <laughs> then you get your Hamilton Mill blender five years later. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I said that. It's an incentive based reward system. I said that this week because the SEC Network tweeted out the 2019 schedule. And, of course, they had an image of, hey, people planning fall weddings in 2019, you know, plan accordingly, all right. that stuff. So, whatever. If you disagree with that take, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll be actually at a wedding during Cupcake Week this year. So, um, Yeah, one of my friends is getting married uh, the day of Bama LSU to... That's not a friend. No, agreed. And the wedding, it's a Catholic wedding, so you know it's going to take an hour and a half. And the wedding itself doesn't start until 7 p.m. What kind oh, of man. monster? All right, we, I gotta go. I'm already angry. And I, I will say that real quick is that if you're schedule, if you're you know scheduling during Iron Bowl week or Alabama LSU and oh, you're yeah. wedding in the state of Alabama, like See come you later, on, bro. you got you got to know, at least know that. But I'm saying for the most part, fall weddings are totally fine. You can have them on a Sunday because there are multiple weekends that have you know Columbus right. Day weekend or you know with Labor Day weekend like we did. I'm just saying but there if, are ways around it. Yeah, but if you're also going to have a fall wedding and you're going to be that a-hole that does that, you better cater to the guests. You better have a, If you have a fall wedding and a cash bar, you deserve oh, no. You deserve to die alone. And I did I, I did throw a lot of shade at cash bars. I, I made sure yeah. to put that in there in the post that I had uh, on SDS on Friday. So make sure you're reading all of our content, even if you, you don't agree with it. You just want a, yeah. you know, a different little perspective. Uh, make sure that you are... Uh, watching Facebook Live every Monday night, every Saturday morning for Uncle Chris. Make yourself some money. That's all he's been doing lately. Just putting money in your Boom. wallet. Guaranteed. Um, not guaranteed, but very likely. It's been at least pretty good. I feel like it's been. Yeah. yeah. 
follow us on Instagram at Saturday Down South. We're gonna hopefully, I think uh, we're gonna do a few more things with uh, with Ed Talks. You had a long Ed Talks today. By the I mean, way. I, I get anxious about a lot of stuff. Follow us on Twitter at the SDS Pod at C Marler SDS at CJ O'Gara. Uh, maybe we'll actually get some listens, Jordan Rogers. I don't know. Maybe we'll. Uh, uh, don't even get me started on that. Yeah, we'll, we'll save that for uh, another time. Uh, but yes, remember the one most important thing. I'm going we, back to bed. Are you going back to bed? I hope so. I know. Just, just remember the most important thing, everybody. It might mean do more. Thanks, guys. Talk to you in a few days. <laughs>